And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here, live and on demand. And somehow in demand with enough people that we remain live and on demand. I'm Steve Day, so hope you had a great weekend. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. Coming up on the show today, I have a, uh, I've got a message that I want to share with you all. Uh, at the top of hour two, if you don't mind, if you'll humor me uh, for a moment. Um, something I'm concerned about, and I want to discuss it. Uh, then, as you suggested, Todd, because we ran out of time on Friday, talking about the Newsom-DeSantis debate, uh, we never got around to Feedback Friday. We'll do some Feedback Monday next hour as well. At the bottom of this hour, we'll be joined by our good friend Bob Vanderplatz, as we typically are on Mondays. All right. So that's what's coming up on the show here today. Before we get into everything, though, and get it started, a great reminder, if you're looking for a phenomenal year end giving option, and really it's a phenomenal giving option year round. Uh, our family has also uh, proudly uh, given to our, fr- our friends over at Preborn. There are few causes that are better. Uh, than and more worthy than the cause of life. And uh, Preborn has saved incalculable numbers of, of children from being murdered um, by their own moms and therefore has saved an incalculable amount of moms as well. Um, women who have gone through and who believed the enemy's lies about abortion and then had that guilt and shame that they then had to confront and, uh, and hopefully uh, ended up uh, letting Jesus heal them of it. Uh, but they can tell you that it leaves a wound in the soul that does need, does need healed, falling for that demonic lie. And so they understand that at preborn. Uh, they love them both, both the, the mother, uh, they love her enough to tell her the truth and let her hear an ultrasound of her baby's heartbeat. 80% of the time when she does, she doesn't go through with the murder of her child. But then they love her enough now to give her the grace that she needs to get through that process. Uh, they're, they're there with prenatal care, postnatal care, even counseling. Uh, and all of this, the ultrasounds, everything is free of charge, provided they have ample funding from people like us. So if you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation for the cause of life, did you know for as little as $28, you can fund an ultrasound that has 80% odds of saving a child and the mom from a mistake that you'll regret sincerely later. Just go to preborn.com slash Steve to make that donation today. Preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. All right, let's get it started. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the full Grassley. But first, commercial ships came under attack Sunday by drones and missiles in the Red Sea. And a U.S. warship there opened fire in self-defense as part of an hours-long assault claimed by Yemen's Houthi rebels. The attack potentially marked a major escalation in a series of maritime attacks in the Mideast linked to the Israel-Hamas war as multiple vessels found themselves in the crosshairs of a single Houthi assault for the first time in the conflict. Five Republican senators led by Marco Rubio on Friday asked President Joe Biden's administration to ban travel between the United States and China after a spike in Chinese respiratory illness cases. More evidence yet again, no lessons were learned after 2020. On the campaign trail, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis completed the full Grassley in Iowa over the weekend, making a campaign stop in Jasper County, the 99th and final county he's visited in the first in the nation caucus state. During his visit to Jasper County, DeSantis promised to relocate the USDA to Iowa. 
On Meet the Press, DeSantis showcased what his campaign has learned after visiting all 99 counties. Well, I'll tell you what, doing all 99 counties is a tradition here. It's something that Governor Reynolds advised that I do. And it's it's a way to, one, show that you're earning people's support. Uh, two, it's a way to hear from real people uh, outside of kind of the media bubble about what's important to them. And then I think, three, it reminds you that at the end of the day, uh, you're a servant. You're not a ruler. And we really believe in servant leadership. So we went everywhere. We showed up. We took questions. And we've been able to build a really incredible organization. We've got over 30,000 people that already committed to caucus for us. We're adding more every day. Of course, we have the endorsement by the great governor here, Kim Reynolds, and of course, by uh, Bob Vanderplatz, most recently from the family leader. So I don't think anyone's ever done an Iowa caucus uh, with this amount of institutional and grassroots support. And it's only going to build for here. And we look forward to being victorious on January 15th. The ratings for the DeSantis v. Newsom debate are in. And after a replay of the debate on Thursday night, that debate garnered nearly 5.5 million viewers, nearly doubling a couple of town halls former President Trump held with Hannity earlier this year as well. Elsewhere in Iowa over the weekend, Trump says he only endorsed Ron DeSantis for governor because he defended Trump from impeachment. At least he fought. He was a, a live body. And... Uh, Based on that, that was impeachment hoax number one and impeachment hoax number two. So I said, why not? I don't know the other gentleman, Adam Putnam. I'd ever met him. So I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. Let's see. So I endorsed him. Both of Trump's impeachments happened when DeSantis was already governor of Florida, so it's unclear what Trump is talking about. More bad news on the legal front for former President Trump, who was dealt two defeats in Washington, D.C. federal courts last week. Of most immediate consequence, liberal judge Tanya Chutkin, who is presiding over the criminal case in which Trump is charged with interfering in the 2020 election, ruled that he is not immune from criminal prosecution. In the other case, of comparatively less consequence, though still significant, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals held in Blasingham versus Trump. The former president has not established that he has immunity from civil lawsuits for his actions leading up to the Capitol riot on January 6th. That latter ruling could open the former president up to a few lawsuits filed by Capitol Police officers and nearly a dozen Democrat members of Congress. An actor who has worked for the Babylon Bee and more recently for the Daily Wire in their new movie Lady Ballers is the latest target of the FBI's descent into the secret police. Siaka Masakwai was arrested in Los Angeles upon his return from the Nashville premiere of the aforementioned movie Lady Ballers. His crime being at the Capitol on January 6th. What do we do with John Fetterman? After his vocal and strident support of Israel and against the Hamas caucus in D.C., Fetterman went on The View Friday and punched his own party from the right. Fetterman is reacting to the news of Congressman George Santos's expulsion from Congress. Not surprised, but but to me, I think the, the more important picture is is that we have a colleague in, in the Senate that actually did much more sinister and, and serious kinds of things. Uh, Senator Menendez, uh, he needs to go. Um, and if you are going to expel Santos, how can you allow to somebody like Menendez to remain in the Senate? And you know, Santos is kind of lies were almost you know funny and like you know he you know landed on the, the moon and a guy kind of stuff uh whereas <laughs> whereas you know i you know i think you know menendez i think is really a senator for egypt you know not new jersey uh, so I, I i i really think he needs to go and finally donald trump was interviewed by moms for america recently and was asked about his faith how do you do this how where do you draw your strength from we're talking about faith 
Where do you, how do you do this every day? How do you get up and fight for every single one of us? It's probably the biggest question I get. The second biggest would be, they're not gonna be allowed to do it again. Okay, you know what that means. Okay, that's number two. But number one is, how do you do it? One of the reasons is that I have the highest poll numbers. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Relief Factor. You know, everyone deals with pain from time to time. It's unfortunately one of the few things we're pretty much guaranteed as we get older. And it's because we're pretty much guaranteed to have more inflammation in our joints as we get older as well. That's where Relief Factor comes in. It's the drug-free anti-inflammatory, even though it was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. All right. So this isn't just some funky granola cruncher stuff, although sometimes that stuff actually works. All right. These are physicians who do know. Uh, from their own private practice, that there are moments when the modern marvels known as drugs are great and can do things that naturally we can't do to heal the body yet on our own. But they also know that those often come with these things called side effects. And so if there is a way to do something drug-free, by all means, take advantage of it. They think there's pretty good odds that relief factor is that solution for you, for that achiness, that soreness, that stiffness. How good of, how, how good of odds? Well, 70% of the time when, over the years when someone has tried the three-week quick start for uh, relief factor for just 20 bucks, that's it. 20 bucks for three weeks. They've seen such great results in those three weeks that they stick around long-term. So 70% odds. We're comfortable saying that this is what you're looking for. Find out what do you got to lose for just 20 bucks. Maybe just the pain. See if you don't see a difference in that pain level in three weeks or less. When you go to relieffactor.com and get the three-week quick start for just 20 bucks at relieffactor.com. Once again, that is relieffactor.com. All right, coming up in the uh, the overtime today, um, I, I want us to discuss John Fetterman. And, you know, we went through this a few years ago with, um, oh, who's the gal in Arizona? Oh, uh, Kristen Cinema. Yeah. Kristen Cinema. That's right. The first openly bisexual senator. How could I forget? Her name is Cinema. Yeah, yes. And she ended up being like, you know, again, we're going to disagree with her on some fundamental issues, but in terms of being a quality public servant, she's been pretty good at that job. Fair. She seems sane. Yeah. She's, she's been reasonable, at least. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Are we watching the same thing go on with John Fetterman? And who had that on their 2023 bingo card? Did you guys see the Babylon Bee headline? Yeah. <laughs> man who recovers from brain injury. Man, or after becoming from brain injury, man becomes more conservative. Do you see that? Yes. I want, us, I want to discuss a simple, a simple question that may not be so simple. Did John Fetterman have a better first year as a United States Senator than Mehmet Oz would have, would have? And we'll discuss that coming up in the overtime today. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. That's BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Do you guys remember the name Michael Malice? Yeah. yeah. He's been on with Glenn a ton, and he was on election night with us, remember? That's why I remember. Kind of hard to forget. In, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, tussle. He, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Kidding. Move on. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, he when I when I posited this question over the weekend, he he subtweeted me with a question. He goes or with a, he said not a question. He subtweeted me that he actually has donated money to Fetterman. He's he's in, he's 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 liked so much with uh, what he has done so far. Uh, as a senator. So we'll discuss that coming up today in in uh, in the overtime. Let's talk. um 
Let's let's talk about where things stand in Iowa with the completion of the full Grassley. And for those of you that don't know what that means, that means going to all 99 of our counties. Now, you need to understand, this is me talking, my opinion, all right? I, I, don't, I don't believe Ron DeSantis did the full Grassley. I think, I think Ron DeSantis did the full Reynolds, okay? I, I, I think that... Um, I think I think going to all 99 of these counties and putting in the work in the state was necessary to even contemplate getting our our popular governor's endorsement. So I think this is the this is the full Reynolds. By the way, did you guys see they've released a couple of polls? I told you this was going to happen that have shown he's actually gone down in Iowa since getting the endorsement of the most popular politician in, in, in the, of, so far in the 21st century. There are they have released a couple of polls showing that DeSantis has actually gone down a point or two since getting Kim Reynolds endorsement. I told you this was going to happen. And people thought I was just I've even told people on the campaign. I know this. I, you know, it's, I, I, I think that. Should I do this? Yeah, the answer is usually. Yeah, so I will. OK. Can I. One of the issues I have. Is. This is an unfair fight. If you're backing DeSantis like I am, just because it's your conviction, it's not a job to me. I'm not working for the campaign. I get nothing from it. My life doesn't change one way or the other all that much from a professional standpoint of Ron DeSantis does or does not win. I think my life would change dramatically on a personal level because I think he'd be a hell of president. But professionally, my my livelihood, nor the two of your livelihoods, have are not tied into anything involving Ron DeSantis in any way, shape, or form. Correct. The problem is you're up against a campaign where most of the people that are doing the public pontificating on it, their livelihoods are directly tied to whether Trump is successful or not. And so there's never, I shouldn't say never, it's, it's hard to get to a place where there's an objective exchange of ideas. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Like if I, if, if I give, if I give an objective criticism, I know going in, I didn't worry about this at all in 2016. Didn't bother me at all. Because in 2016, there weren't a lot of people eager to promote Donald Trump. I mean, they didn't they didn't have the A team in 2016. There were, there were it was you know it was a lot of people that either it was really just a few people. I remember we had Katrina Pearson, Scotty Hughes, and a guy I have had I, I have an immense amount of respect for because of his accomplishments, Jeffrey Lord. But it was kind of those three people kind of did every show on every network talking about Trump. Right there, there wasn't the this wide swath of of de facto promoters of him as a political brand yet. Well, now there is, you know, and so. Uh, in 2016, I knew I could just I could if I had it, if I legitimately thought we should do something different or better on the cruise campaign, you go back and you probably find those shows probably in our podcast feed here and they're probably still there. OK, and we would discuss that stuff openly on the show, even to the chagrin of some people within the cruise campaign. But I, I kept telling them I still have a job to do. Yeah, I'm working for you, but this is my day job. And, you know, the audience expects this. One of the the one of the challenges in this go around is so many people's livelihoods now are tied to Trump's that it's that it's. If, if I give an objective criticism, the favor is likely not going to get returned. 
Instead, it will be turned against the candidate unfairly, right? Yeah. Think of when I posted the picture, and then I did this to troll them, when Bobby Kennedy announced he was going to be run as an independent. And I went back to a picture we took at Whitlock's place in January of me and Bobby Kennedy, because we were two of the people on Whitlock's uh, vaccine, COVID vaccine expose. And uh, and that's where I met Bobby, and we spent the afternoon and, and spoke you know, pretty in-depth. It was one of the most fascinating days of my life, frankly. And uh, certainly, certainly my professional life. And, I, and when, he, when he announced he was going to run as an independent now and abandon the Democratic Party, I reset that picture as a troll with the caption, Mr. President. And Trump's social media team jumped on that and, and tried to claim that I'd already abandoned my DeSantis uh, endorsement to go with Bobby Kennedy when it was of troll. And it was a picture from six, seven, eight months ago. Right. And so that's the world we're in is that it's it. There's, there's less incentive to give you honest analysis because there's less incentive than ever to be honest. I give you an honest analysis of something that I think is a mistake You can you can probably pick the names, you know, the names in your head of five, six or seven people that will then turn that into, you know, a a press release, not so cleverly disguised as a tweet. That's the environment we're in. However, I'm not permitted to succumb to that. I, I can't not tell you what I think, because I know going in, I'm in an unfair situation. The, the world itself, I'm a Christian, the world is an unfair situation. Our, our home, our kingdom is not of this world, correct? Right. Correct. We're not of this system. We're here to crush this system, in fact. So I know going in, what I'm about to say will not be treated objectively, but will be spun. So be it. But I'm at least going to acknowledge it up front. And then I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I am concerned. And it's and I'm glad that, Aaron, you included this, at that story about the indictments with Trump. I just went and looked it up during the right before the start of the show. The current makeup, because Steve, why, I'm not tra- chasing I'm, I'm going to bring it home. Trust me. These two stories, actually, they go together. Okay, they go together. The current makeup of the D.C. Court of Appeals is seven Democrats and four Republicans. Three of the Republicans were appointed by Trump. The other appointed by George H.W. Bush. That's another way of saying the D.C. Court of Appeals is eight Democrats and three Republicans. <laughs> okay, because that of, bad. Yeah, that's why does that matter? Because that's where Trump will try to go next to appeal this federal judge saying that he does not have presidential immunity as a former president. Now, what I think he's asserting constitutionally is incorrect and wrong and crazy. Nevertheless, I don't blame him for asserting it at all because the people that are up against him are incorrect, unconstitutional and crazy. I mean, you're not left with too many options here. When, when, when the other side's like, we don't believe in the Constitution, you're not really left with a lot of constitutional options to say, well, you can't do this to me because of the, we don't care about your Constitution. We, we, we're, we've moved, we're post-Christian, we're post-Constitution. So I, I don't think he's got a constitutional leg to stand on with this claim. I mean, he's a, Trump is essentially saying, once you become president, you can just do whatever you want. You can't be sued. You can commit any crime you want. You have forever immunity. And I think we all recognize if we were to look beyond this current circumstance, that's a pretty dangerous precedent to set. 
know what I'm saying? It's a pretty dumb one. Too. Yeah. And, th- and this, but I don't blame him at all for making that argument because he's up against a freaking yeah. demonic star chamber who would never hear any objective evidence at all. And we all know he's guilty the minute that they, ho- that that trial gavels in. We all know this, yes. right? So I don't blame him and his attorneys, man, for throwing everything at the, for, you know, that scene in breakfast at Tiffany's where Audrey Hepburn gets pissed at her cat and throws it against the wall and it claws stick. I don't blame him for trying that at all because they're up against a demonic horde. That being said, the precedent they're trying to set isn't constitutional and extremely dangerous. But if your position is, I don't care about that right now. If we let these people get away with this, we don't have a constitutional republic after this. That's a pretty strong argument. I don't, you know, I I don't have an argument against it. That's a pretty crappy position to be in. But that's why there's history books of former empires. And we're on the way to be in the next one. Fair. Yes. Okay. So why does that matter in the criticism I'm going to have of the DeSantis campaign? Because I think that there are both of these both of these sides and I'm on the DeSantis side. okay? but both of these sides are facing a level of demonic lie that I don't believe they've come to grips with yet. Trump is going on trial in March. This is going to occur. The the likelihood the D.C. Court of Appeals with the makeup I just gave you is going to save him is the likelihood of monkeys flying out of my butt. Could it then be appealed to the Supreme Court? Yes. Would they even hear it? They don't even have to hear it. They don't. They need four justices to agree to even hear this precedent. It's quite possible they won't even hear it, which would allow the current federal judge's decision to stand. Then they may hear it. And that would require that two of these three, John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, would have to agree that Donald Trump has, and then therefore any, anybody ever elected president has, forever immunity, unconditionally, once you're elected president of the United States. I have a hard time believing two of those three are going to agree with that, especially when the person asking the question is Donald Trump given their record fair fair barring that barring being wrong on that this trial is happening in march barring being wrong on that he is going to be convicted by that jury and then what happens after that no one really knows if you think the secret service isn't is not if you think this it's it's the secret service guys not the swiss guard if you think the Secret Service is not going to turn over a convicted private citizen. This Secret Service. Then you probably think Jenna Ellis got executed at Gitmo over the weekend. That's not how this is going to play out, guys. And I think with this ruling from the court, again, I hear the train of coming. It's rolling around the bend. I mean, it's just like... We can hear it's it's tooting the horn. We can hear it coming. They can see the smoke, the steam coming out out of the tunnel. And we're acting like this train's just never going to arrive at the station. That we're going to stand on the tracks while the train is going full speed and scream out, look at the poles! And the train will just magically stop. That's kind of what's going on in the Trump camp, right? Yeah. I think in the DeSantis camp, there's a similar cognitive dissonance. And I think when I've been warning about this, people think it's been tongue-in-cheek. No. No. When I told you 
The polls would not move after the Governor Reynolds endorsement. Didn't I say that? Mm -hmm. Was I right? Correct. When I, when I'm telling you now, the polls will not move after the Bob Vanderplatz endorsement. I am telling you now, Ron DeSantis could produce 75,000 biomarker confirmed. I will vote for Ron DeSantis in the Iowa caucuses under the under under penalty of death. Commitment cards. The polls will not move. We have pollsters out there publishing polls where they where they're admitting in their internals they have a 1% response rate. They're admitting it. They're admitting in their internals they have a 1% response rate. 1%. The most respected poll in our state, the Des Moines Register poll in October published a poll that showed Trump and DeSantis had the exact same a total support between who's between your first and second choice. And then the story it ran next to that poll was DeSantis is going to lose by 30 and he's tied with Nikki Haley. They're publishing polls that go against the natural laws of mathematics, let alone political science. They're never moving. The day before the caucuses, they're going to publish polls showing Trump is going to win by more than 100 points. Now, that's my embellishment, but not by much if you look at what they've done thus far. This is a PSYOP, as most things involving data nowadays are. Is that bad? Yes, and you have to figure out as a campaign what is your counter-narrative to this because it's also what drives almost everything we cover all day long. I go back to a conversation I had in May with the chief political reporter of one of the most esteemed corporate media outlets in America. He said, in your chair, Todd, as we were having an off-the-record conversation, we can each spill our guts, nothing's being recorded, and he looked at me flat out and said, Steve, we know our polls aren't good. We know they're inaccurate, and they're the most expensive thing we do. But it's the most popular coverage we do, and so that's why we do them. Sit right in that chair and said it to me six months ago. Sit right in your chair and said that to me six months ago in this studio. Have you guys seen the way Rasmussen's Twitter official Twitter account is, is, is this? Yes. This is they're doing. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I saw them doing it again. They are behaving and they're being subtweeted by Trump political operatives. This is not the behavior of a polling firm. It's the behavior of a of a of a of, of, of a super PAC. I would I would expect this poll is personal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is not if you if you're trying to instill confidence in your data, you would not behave like this unless you are already an arm of the campaign. Like like you, you'll see my old buddy Chris Wilson. He'll tell you what he really thinks. But he's an arm of the DeSantis campaign. And you sh- and everybody knows this. Right. He works for Never Back Down now. Is Rasmussen, have they announced that they work for the Trump campaign? That they're an arm of a Trump super PAC? I don't believe they've announced No, it. but are they behaving as if they are when you watch their behavior on Twitter? Yes. Yeah. This is not stuff, if, you're, if you care about your reputation, you don't do stuff like this if you want to be seen as objective. And, and, and I mention this even at the highest levels of the DeSantis campaign, and I get kind of, well, okay. It's the same kind of, well, okay, I guess we just go to jail that I get on the Trump side. 
And it makes me wonder how many people, because I think there's only three candidates worthy of a vote in this next election. That's why we only profiled three of them this year. Trump, DeSantis, RFK. And so if the, if the two wearing my uniform on the right, are, each of their followers seem unable to, agree, to, to or, their, or, or, or their operatives seem unable to accept the, the depth of depravity we are up against. They're going to just make these polls up, guys, and they don't care. They, they know people like me, and for every me and Dave Rubin that will check the next line of their poll, they know 9,999 will not. So they are fine lying to get the result they want. People doing the polls are no different than the D.C. jury. We want Trump, so that's the result. We want to convict Trump, so that's the result. And when you point these things out to the people on each of these sides that, that are empowered to maybe acknowledge this or plan something or do something about it, a lot of the response I get is kind of gobsmacked, like, oh, well, we better know, you know, better know, better know what happens when we, if we nominate a guy that gets convicted of multiple felonies and then disqualified from every swing state ballot, what's the plan? Well, we also better have a plan for what happens the day before the election. The Des Moines Register poll shows Trump and DeSantis have the same total to, to support. But we expect everybody to vote for Trump. Trump will win 97 to 3. What's the plan? Well, we don't have a plan. Okay. You're going to lose then. You're going to lose in court. You're going to lose in the court of public opinion. And that's the level of because if we have to have pushback against this kind of demonic interference. Back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by our friends over at Magic Spoon. Delicious and high quality, Magic Spoon has reinvented your favorite childhood cereals to taste great. But each serving is delicious while also containing zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, four to five net grams of carbs. That's it. The honey nut flavor, by the way, contains just one gram of sugar. So that's where they splurge. All right. Uh, wholesome, keto friendly, gluten free, gluten free, grain free, soy free. But it doesn't have to be taste free. I tried the peanut butter, for example. It was very good. And it's just 140 calories a serving. Plenty of options, plenty of great flavors. Cocoa, fruity, I mentioned the peanut butter, blueberry muffin, maple waffle, the aforementioned honey nut, chocolate chip cookie, birthday cake, and more. Plus, they've got new Magic Spoon treats as well, which are the perfect on-the-go snack. They're just like the marshmallow treats you had as a kid, but with only one gram of sugar and just one to two net grams of carbs. They come in marshmallow and chocolatey peanut butter. So head right now to magicspoon.com slash dace. Grab a custom bundle of their cereal. Try the magic for yourself. Don't forget to add the new marshmallow and chocolate peanut butter treats as well. Be sure to use the promo code DACE at checkout to save $5 off your order. That's the code DACE at checkout for $5 off your order. Magic Spoon, so confident in their product, they're offering you a 100% happiness guarantee. All right, Magic Spoon is where you want to go uh, and use the promo code DACE, magicspoon.com slash DACE, magicspoon.com slash DACE. Let's welcome in our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz from The Fame Leader. How you doing, brother? Doing really good. Yourself, congratulations on the Big Ten Championship. Ah, thank you. I didn't have anything to do with it, but uh, uh, I nevertheless will receive the accolades 
regardless. We were still proud of our Iowa Hawkeyes. The defense, we were really proud of. They did good. It's a great defense. Unfortunately, you got to play at least a little bit of offense. Yeah, I, but hear yeah, you. I hear you. All right, so let, let's let's talk about uh, going on offense, actually. Uh, Ron DeSantis finishing the 99-county tour of Iowa. They're calling it the full Grassley. I told the audience a few minutes ago, it's, this is really the full Reynolds. Okay, in my view, uh, this was this was this was done to dem- this was probably th- I think they understood to have any chance to get Governor Reynolds endorsement. They had to show that they were willing to put the work into our state. And I think so. This is really the full Reynolds. Um, now, I told you that they were going to produce polls that showed Reynolds's endorsement had no influence at all. And they have. They produced a couple of them. So getting the endorsement of the most popular elected officials so far in our this century in the state has no relevancy whatsoever. I, I, I'll, they're going to run polls that showed your endorsement hurt them. That's coming too. <laughs> Don't laugh. I, I, I keep saying this to all you guys and you keep doing this. Well, I'm, it's, I'm, this saying, is I'm real. saying it might actually be true. That it, this is, this is real. This is what's going on. I mean, Trafalgar is literally telling people that in its latest poll, it has a 1% response rate. They just don't, they just think you won't read that stuff. Okay. But, but I am frustrated because I think both the Trump and DeSantis people will, uh, there's a part of reality they will not accept. The Trump people, we'll get to this in a moment, will not accept the reality of what's coming down the pike in the federal courts here in the next couple of months. And I think the DeSantis people believe these polls are going to turn. I'm telling you right now, I'll repeat this to you, what I said before you came on. Ron DeSantis could produce 75,000 biomarker confirmed commitment cards from people who have offered a blood sample and testify they will vote for Ron DeSantis January 15th under penalty of death. And the polls won't move. They're an absolute psyop. And, and, and given how much we love to focus on these things, I mean, polls don't move. He doubled Sean Hannity's audience last week. Doubled it. Doubled Sean Hannity's audience. That's the biggest audience Sean Hannity's ever had for an episode of his show ever on Fox. And they weren't tuning in for Gavin Newsom no, on they were Fox. Not. And, and, and they're going to produce poll. He actually, uh, they, they, he's even further behind than before. And, and given how much, how many shows have you done since you endorsed? Well, I bet I've done two dozen shows. How many of them didn't ask you about the polls? You know, a lot of the, they'll all say, you know, well, he's trailing in the polls. What does he need to do to basically yeah, you know, revive many, his did, own did campaign? Did a single one of them never mention that or assert that premise to you? You know, there might have been a couple, but not many. They always want to talk okay. about the polls. Trump's got this dominant lead. It's, so you, it, at it's, some point you have to have a counter for this. Yes, at some point you have to have a counter for a PSYOP. Sure. Otherwise, you'll succumb to it. So what is it? Well, my counter is that I've seen him. In fact, I've said this uh, in uh, media over the weekend. He is the best organized by far of any candidate I've ever endorsed. And that includes Ted Cruz. And, and Steve, you know, Ted Cruz was exceptionally well organized. But I compared it to where Cruz would look like the Flintstones and uh, DeSantis look like the Jetsons right now, meaning he has got this thing exceptionally well organized. I think the debate that happened with Governor Newsom was divinely timed. It gave him the shot of energy that he needed. Now, all the hard work he did, the 99-county tour, the full Grassley, full Reynolds, whatever you want to call it, getting the key endorsements, now it's time to monetize all of that. And that's why I tweeted over the weekend, all the mechanics are there for him to win. All the mechanics are there for him to win. And now we'll see you know, who shows up, who's right. Are the polls right? Is Trump right? Or does DeSantis really have a shot here to win the Iowa caucuses? I think he's got a shot. A decade ago, well, a little more than a decade ago, thir- uh, 13 years ago, 
48 hours before a gubernatorial primary, the Des Moines Register told people you were going to lose by 28 points. 29. 29. Not that you... <laughs> not that I remember, but Not, I that, not that you're bitter. Yeah. Yes. Um, 48 hours later, you nearly won that same exact primary. All right. How many points do you think that poll cost you? A lot. Matter of fact, a uh, colleague of mine just talked to me about that very poll who worked very hard on that governor's race, somebody mm-hmm. that you know and know well, mm-hmm. and said, Bob, I believe that poll cost you the election. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the people that really wanted to go out and vote for Bob Aaron to be governor probably thought, you know what? I'm in the field. It's time. To, I, you know, he's going to get beat anyhow, so I'm not going to give him my vote. And there's those who always want to be the winner, right? I just want to be the winner. Mm-hmm. And now does, I mean, God is sovereign. He worked all things together for good. I'm so glad that Governor Kim Rose is governor today. I wasn't running against her, by the way, but I'm glad she's governor today. I'm glad I'm wearing a map. The fact is, polling a primary that you just talked about was 29 points off 48 hours before the election. That's a heck of a lot easier to poll than an Iowa caucus is. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying advantage on organization goes to DeSantis. Over Trump, over Nikki, over Vivek, over anybody, advantage goes to DeSantis. You have Governor Reynolds, the most popular governor in our lifetime. Endorse him. She's on TV commercials. She's on uh, flyers going into mailboxes. That has got to help. I believe, I tweeted that this morning, Barb Kniff McCullough mm-hmm. out of Pella, she is a beloved person in one of the most Republican areas of the state. And she just came out on Saturday in endorsing. That's a big pickup to get a legislator like her uh, picking up. So what I'm seeing is on the ground, momentum, momentum, momentum. And I'm seeing DeSantis getting better and better and better. And just as a reminder, it was May. He was not even running for president yet. Okay. That's when Darla and I visited with him in Tallahassee. Today, you're, you're barely into December. He has not been running for president that long. Getting better and better and better. And what he did to Newsom on Thursday night showcased to everybody, I can't take down your rising star of the left and win in 24 and serve for two terms. I agree, which is exactly why they're going to run more polls showing he's even further behind after doing that. You know, it, and so you, if, I, 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 I am confident saying this. If, if the DeSantis campaign... And I say this as someone who has probably spent as much political capital as anybody not being paid to on behalf of the DeSantis campaign since August. Is that fair? That's fair. fair? I, I'd include okay. myself in there, too. But anyway, go ahead. But not since August. August. Yeah, not since That's August. why yeah. I put that caveat yeah. on there. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're going to lose. You will not win if you do not have some answer to the PSYOP of these polls. You won't win. I, don't, I believe that. You can have all the organization and everything else. Is if, there, if there is not a capable answer to the psyop of these polls, won't win. That's what I believe. And I'd rather, I'd rather say that now when I think there is an opportunity to do something about it. Because we're what it's, what is it? Uh, today's December 4th. Mm-hmm. So 21 uh, or, or, or what? 27 more days in December. 15. So 42 days away. 42 days is plenty of time. There's a debate on Wednesday. Okay. And in Alabama of all places. Yeah, there'll but, probably uh, be a debate in January now I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. Maybe here. All right. Plenty of opportunities to do something about it. Come up with something. All right. Because the woman you just mentioned, that legislator, that's all she's going to hear this morning. 
all right, from her constituents. Uh, he can't win. Look at the polls. You, if you do not answer that, won't win, I believe. So, so give me what is your answer to that? I mean, what, what, what would you advise them to do? Because you advise a lot of campaigns. What's uh, your answer The number to that? one thing I do is I'd put out my own counter polls, even if they're complete total BS. <laughs> I'll just say that out loud. That's exactly what I do. I laugh because Chuck Hurley, who's the VP uh, with the family leader, he says to me all the time, he says, Bob, we can do exactly what the left does, exactly what the opposition does, but we can't lie and we can't cheat. I can come up with... And I'm like, that's a pretty big advantage, Chuck, the thing of lie and cheat. The the methodology may or may not be sound, but they wouldn't be any different than what we're seeing right now. So you're saying your methodology would be just as good as 1% poll respondents. I I would imagine if I got... Listen, if I'm Trafalgar and I have a 1% poll response, and I'm... and, and Let's face it. I'm basically an extension of, of Trump's business at this point. Probably yeah. if, if if I'm sampling one percent of people to get an outcome I want, I can come up with that. That's a legitimate outcome. So, OK, we're doing one percent sample polls now. I can sample. I can legitimately sample one percent of people to get DeSantis is actually winning Iowa. So, right? you're, so but there needs to be some there needs to be or, or maybe more DeSantis's speed hmm. is go go full on to war against the entire polling industry the way that Trump did the media. This is all a lie. It's all a psyop. They lied to us in this last election, told us we're going to win all these races. We lost them all. They lulled us all to sleep, made us think, told Mitch, made Mitch McConnell think he, when Rick Scott, my senator from my own state, tried to come up with a contract with America, Mitch McConnell said, don't do that. We just have to sit here. The polls show us we're going to win. And all we did, we get lulled to sleep and we lose over and over again. Stop trusting the people that hate us. So I'd either, I would both come, I'd both produce my own and i would go scorched earth against the yeah. entire polling industry and that's the thing you look at the last cycles and you think well what poll actually stood the test of time because in 2020 we were supposed to get crushed and all of a sudden it becomes way closer and we went places we shouldn't correct belong. 2022 is supposed to be a red tsunami that doesn't happen at all other than florida and in iowa 2023 same kind these polls are all gone and you know what we complain about the polls when they're against us and we champion the polls when they're forced and the fact is they're not real because it is so hard to pull today because you're not just doing landlines anymore people are on correct on these screens uh, so i want to make sure I cl- i'm not saying trafalgar's poll is illegitimate i'm saying that if if the new standard is a one percent response rate for a poll if that's the new standard okay then we can all play that game then all right the new standard is i only need a one percent response rate okay well, if I get if I'm the if I'm the DeSantis campaign doing a one percent response rate, I can come up with a pretty favorable it, so, resp- result too. So my guess is you'd be looking at me and going, to, "You're the president of the family leader." A lot of people say your base is that crucial, that influential. Maybe your ministry, which has nothing to do with your endorsements, just ask your base who are you going to vote for exactly in the caucus, and our base would have a much better response rate probably. than one percent probably because they'd probably want to voice their opinion and let us know who who am i going for that way we have a pulse on our base we may have to take a look at that the other part of this that i'm frustrated by and i've been frustrated by this long before i considered endorsing desantis and it's one of the reasons that i did the trump people have no plan for the legalities of next year in a must-win election Since you and I last spoke late last week on a Friday news dump, Trump lost not one but two appeals before the D.C. court. Now, what Trump is what Trump's attorneys are basically advocating is once you get elected president, you have perpetual forever prosecutorial immunity. That's a terrible precedent to set. And it's not constitutional. That being said, I don't like I said a few minutes ago, I don't blame them for going for that Mm -hmm. because they're in a court that doesn't care about the law at all. 
right? They're going to convict him anyhow. That no, matter, no matter what, what evidence what. he presents, he's convicted. Exactly. So I don't, I don't blame them for that <clears throat> tactic because what they're up against is complete lawless. I just think it's a terrible precedent to set. The D.C. court already said no. I looked at the makeup of the D.C. Court of Appeals. All right. That's where it goes next. Eleven judges are there. Seven of them Democrats, four of them Republicans, three of the Republicans appointed by Trump, one of them appointed by George H.W. Bush, which really means it's eight to three because mm-hmm. that's that's that the, the Bush judge is never going with Trump on this. All right. So he's going to lose there. OK, then that takes us to whether the Supreme Court will even hear this. It would require four judges to even hear it. And then if they do, you need Kavanaugh, two of these three, Kavanaugh, Coney Barrett and, and John Roberts, two of those three. Assuming now, I don't even know you're going to get. Uh, I don't believe Clarence Thomas is going to make the is going to stand up and say a president gets forever immunity. Can't ever be. Pro- Clarence Thomas is probably going to look at that and think that's a terrible president yeah. to set. OK, but let's just assume Trump could get Alito and Thomas and Gorsuch to go with this okay you then need two of kavanaugh kavanaugh coney barrett and um and john roberts to say a president is forever free of prosecution once even after becoming a private citizen good luck with that and if you can't pull that off like i don't even think neil gorsuch will will say that i don't i I do not believe neil gorsuch will say a president cannot a former president is now a private citizen has immunity protection you're looking at trial in march you're looking at a conviction a month or two later. What's the plan when that happens? Exactly. What you're doing is you're saying, I'm laying out chess. I'm trying to play chess. I'm trying to be moves ahead I'm, I'm of, mo- what's of, both, of both sides because on my uniform here, I'm car- I don't care about the name on the back, man. The name on the front is America. Okay? Yeah. I'm trying to save America here. Now, I think the best guy to save America is DeSantis. But if they don't come up to an answer with an answer to these psyops, he won't be the nominee, I believe. Mm-hmm. And if Trump does not have some kind of plan for how I'm going to stay out of prison, he ain't going to be president again. And so I'm a little concerned when those are the two best <laughs> options we have, Bob. <laughs> Fair? It's very fair. And there are things, when you bring up Trump-appointed justices as well, we also need to remind people with uh, the election cases, the the fraudulent elections, a a lot of those cases went in front of Trump judges, Mm -hmm. and they did not rule with him. So to say just because it's a Trump-appointed justice, that means they will vote our way. That is not the case whatsoever. So I think you're bringing up a fair point, both on the polls and on what are you going to do if this takes place? The How, night, what's the next step here? The nightmare scenario, which is what Democrats are going for, because they're in control of this whole process. Of course they are. The nightmare scenario is we get to Super Tuesday. This, Trump has knocked out DeSantis. That's right when this this, fir, this this trial begins. He's now a convicted felon. And a bunch of blue secretaries of states and swing states like Arizona and Wisconsin say, we're you're not putting all, a convicted all, felon the on the ballot. Yep. Right? And, and, and that's that's the plan. And we now, can all see this freaking train coming. Well, we, why do we just stand there and think if yep. we scream, look at the polls, the train will just yep. stop. And then you force chaos in Milwaukee. And while we have chaos in Milwaukee, they have this plan that Newsom, Michelle Obama, whatever it is, is coming out of the Democrat National Convention. It will not be Joe Biden. As a matter of fact, I, I, that's where I thought DeSantis did really well against Newsom. You say you're not running for president. You're running a shadow campaign. You're definitely running for president. But I also agree with DeSantis on Friday morning when he got asked, do you think Newsom is running for president? And DeSantis said, not after last night. He's not running for I president. I agree with that. I do. I think he damaged him. It damaged him big time. Yeah, no question. Thank you, brother. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. That was energetic. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I would rather talk about this now than next year when it's too late. And, and that's my great curse. 
is I, I tend to talk about the things that I know they're going to do to us or they are about to do to us before they happen and, and no one wants to hear it. And then after they're doing it and it's too late to do anything about it, you know, and then other people take credit for what you predicted. They should listen to your shows, what they should do. Well, I'm, I tend to be good at reading bad stuff. Okay. When I give you good predictions, don't believe any of that. <laughs> when I give you a doomsday scenario, almost always happens. Fear it. Okay. Hour two is next. two on the Steve Dace Show here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre, all of you as well. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. That's Steve at SteveDace.com. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also, if you listen to the podcast, uh, please, if you have not done this yet, leave us a five-star review. And thanks to all of you who have. We appreciate every single one. We are approaching 10,000 of those on iTunes alone. Hit subscribe or if you are listening on iTunes today uh, hit follow that way every time we do a new episode it shows up in your feed every single time and we thank you for that as well we also thank our friends over at ExpressVPN for sponsoring this portion of the show Um, the holiday season is here and that means um, the amount of people that you're going to have over having access to your Wi-Fi your data Uh, People that don't have protection of their data, they come to your house, they get on your Wi-Fi, and now suddenly data hunters, data miners, they've got access to it through them. Um, That's why you want to get ExpressVPN. It's the app that uh, we've, I've got on all my devices. It takes just minutes to install. Just hit a click and your online traffic stays private. Um, if you think incognito mode is going to save you, think again. It does nothing except hide your history from you. Um, if you don't have ExpressVPN, you might as well just go ahead and sync your glass at dinner and read your browsing history out loud to the whole family at that point. All right? Let them all know you're a, uh, you're a dreaded Christian nationalist. <laughs> all right, so folks, make the switch today to ExpressVPN. Get their special holiday offer. Go to expressvpn.com slash Steve right now. And you can get three extra months for free when you buy for a year. So 15 months for the price of 12. Three extra months for free right now at expressvpnrightnow.com slash Steve. Expressvpn.com slash Steve. Protect your online privacy with ExpressVPN, V as in victory, expressvpn.com slash Steve. All right. Uh, I've got a, I got a message I want to share with the audience today. Before we get to that, do you guys want to respond to the conversation that uh, Bob and I just had? Share your thoughts. Well, I, I don't think I'm quite as, I'm not as fatalistic uh, as you about if this isn't addressed, it's going to be a loss. And I, because of past president, I just think Iowa takes this very, very seriously. They don't like to be manipulated. Uh, they've uh, and now they've ignored polls in the past, and polling was much better then. But they they still are like I'm going to do my own thing. Bob is proof of that. Huckabee, DeSantis, Cruz—they're all proof of that. I and this is why I've said if if DeSantis does lose, he shouldn't go any. He should just get out and save himself, and we should thank him for his for his efforts. So I think uh, Iowa has shown they don't give a rip. 
they're going to and there's a lot of reason to believe based on Bob's endorsement, the governor's endorsement, 42 uh, Republican uh, legislators here in Iowa have endorsed him far more than anybody else uh, that I think this is trending uh, DeSantis's way. But I think it's broader than just polls. There shouldn't just be a shrug about, you know, of course, Democrats are going to lie. What are you going to do? You shouldn't have that about anything polls or otherwise it's another opportunity lost if you don't show them that they're just flat out liars so i'm somewhere in the middle okay yeah i i agree there's a desperate need for a competing narrative when it comes to these polls beyond just mocking them which i love to do that's fun but there does need to be a, a different narrative because at the end of the day even even our own people and and you made this point with the uh, representative the Iowa um, the Iowa state uh, senator or representative who endorsed DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what her mentions are. This what the polls, the polls, the polls. You know, I, I think Team Trump rightly understands, and he's first and foremost a marketer. You have to have a narrative. Yeah. The narrative is the most important, valuable thing, and it's why they wined and dined members of the mainstream media ahead of the Milwaukee debate. They understood that the mainstream media is helping them in building their narrative, that Trump is inevitable. And right now, that's beneficial for Team Trump. Now, this time next year, if there is a Team Trump still, not going to be quite so uh, beneficial for them. So narrative, that is important. Now, we live in a post-truth era, which makes this a lot more messy. Because if we were actually living in 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 an era where we valued truth... Where we valued actually not just narrative for narrative's sake, narrative for my own sake, this would be a much more straightforward path. What we're in an era, though, is that if you want to have a competing narrative, you are going to push the boundaries of what is and isn't maybe ethical or breaking the rules or following the rules. And I don't know, I don't know if we have the stomach for that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, as I'm going to get into here in a minute, we don't. Here, Here is... Let me dial back for a second. We're getting ready. You know, we're all answering our questions for the upcoming uh, annual year in review day group that we do. The big mm-hmm. two-hour extravaganza on the, you know, uh, that wraps up the year that was, right? And one of the ways that I do it is I'll, I'll usually we'll go through and answer them off the top of my head, but then I will go back uh, the the questions we have every year. Huh? I'll, I'll, then I'll go back to the the very first. I'll go through our podcast library because Aaron does a great job of putting the descriptions in each episode, and that helps me to jar my memory about what we did that particular day. And I'll go back to the first episode we did, and I'll go through the the summations of every podcast we did for the year, which is every year somewhere in like between 230 and 240 of these just to just to make sure that there's not obvious stories that my memory which isn't as good it's still pretty good but not what it was when I was 40 that I'm forgetting you know and one of the things I noticed going back through that um, through that library is we started off this year with the theme of let's put these two alpha males in a room let them fight it out whoever comes out maybe junior ain't ready you know for uh, uh, for the Jedi Masters, uh, you know, uh, lightsaber, and if that's the case, 
now we know. Let's all move on because we have to win, right? Well, we never got that fight. And you know why? The polls showed Trump, gave Trump, the, gave Trump a narrative, as Aaron just articulated, that we never, ever got that fight. Yeah, here, I'm always very transparent with you. This is the nightmare scenario for our country I am trying to avoid when I'm about to articulate. And this, is, this also explains why I was so excited by what, Trump, by what DeSantis did to Newsom. Because before that moment, we really didn't have a proof of concept of Ron DeSantis as a national standard bearer. We've been denied that. We've had these other minor league debates that are ir- largely irrelevant instead with largely irrelevant candidates. We got that instead of, of putting Saul and David in a, in, a, you know, in a steel cage to see who came out. That's what we were hoping to get at the start of the year, right? Mm-hmm. That was a lot of the shows we did at the start of the year. We never got that. The polls provided Trump security and a narrative that he never had to he never had to risk that level of engagement so instead we got this largely double a baseball form of a primary until DeSantis went on with Gavin Newsom last week in a simulated national debate and absolutely ended him wrecked him in some respects I almost would have liked it better if DeSantis had disappointed because I could have reconciled how this year turned out better. But now now we are left with a very real possibility of the following scenario. The polls provide Donald Trump a narrative that he never has to be tested by Ron DeSantis. Or we don't ever really truly test Ron DeSantis. Trump wins this. Right around the time he's wrapping it up, a trial begins in Washington, D.C., with potentially our most promising next generation politician taken completely off the board, Trump is, is, is found guilty of, of leading an insurrection in Washington, D.C. By the way, buddy of mine, Siaka Masakoy, former Iowa football player, met him this year through Nefarious. Did a podcast with him out in L.A. this summer. Got word over the weekend, him and his pregnant wife, they were arrested at the airport. Just the other day. Going to have him on soon. Yep. Arrested at the airport just the other day and charged with four misdemeanors years after. He, he never even, he was, at, he was at the Trump rally on January 6th, never even went inside. Never even went inside. And arrested with his pregnant wife. It's pretty clear how this is going to go for Donald Trump in Washington, D.C. I just laid out for you the legalities of how, 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 how the, the odds are not ever more in our favor, Trump is going to get that D.C. trial put off until after the election. We can all see what the Democrat plan is here. Get the guy that we're about to convict as a felon, the nomination. Plan the trial for right around the time he would be the, 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 the presumed nominee. Basically end the primary right then and there officially by putting Trump on trial so that all anybody's covering or talking about are not these Super Tuesday primaries. No one's talking about them, are they? Right. The entire wall-to-wall coverage of every news channel is Donald Trump on trial. Get him convicted. Make that the basis for we're not putting an insurrectionist on the ballot. We don't have to debate an insurrectionist. We can all see this. It's as obvious as the lockdowns provided Joe Biden the possibility of not having to show off his mental deficiencies in 2020 and just hang out in a basement 
doing Zoom calls once a day after he's doped up on Adderall. We can all see this. Who doesn't see this? Now, there's a lot of people who see it, but the problem is we've never been more financially leveraged into a candidacy than too many people on the right are right now to Donald Trump. And so it's hard to call this out because you've got you've you've got it you've got a you've got a dog in that hunt, and and you're better off if Trump wins the primary but still loses the general. Your 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 investment is still paid off. Well, that's good for you, bro. We still got the country though. We need one of these guys to win. And my fear is this whole year we were denied a real primary, so we could have this fate complete. And then right around the time the fait accompli has culminated, a trial begins where that guy now gets convicted of being an insurrectionist. And we're going to ask the very judges who knife us in the back most of the time to save us. How are you? What kind of Christmas? What are your, what are your, what are your odds on that Christmas miracle, do you think? This is why I say he's right there. Take him over and That's, over This and is over my again. fear. This is my fear. We can all see this plan. We can all see what they're doing. It's... Very obvious. You don't have to be smart. You just have to be honest and not financially leveraged. Well, we're well, screwed. There's that. Okay, so we're probably over two. But this is not this is not the stuff of you know Washington taking the Potomac at midnight. This is obvious, man. It's not even 3D chess. It's just uh, my first move, pawn to uh, uh, two spots. It's, this, is, uh, this is so obvious what, they're, what the plan is here. And we're going to sit here this time next year, and we're going to be like, after, after all the checks are cashed and the clicks are exhausted, and we're watching a dementia patient and one of Montel, Montel Williams' hoes take the oath, get ready to take the oath of office for a second term and asking ourselves, how the hell did we let this happen to us again? I don't want to do this show. I don't want to do that show this time next year. I don't. I don't. So someone show me a plan. Show me a plan for the polling psyop or show me a plan for the lawfare psyop. Anybody. Anybody got a plan. Do not trust the goodness and rationality of the American people, not even the ones living in Iowa. What is the plan? It's been a year of polling psyops. Next year, if if this one is successful, it'll be a year of lawfare psyops. What is the plan? So we're not sitting here watching demons plan an inauguration at this time next Christmas. What's the plan? I'm going to speak up now because I, I don't want to do that show this time next year. I don't. I desperately do not. And the country cannot afford it. That's not even the message I wanted to share with you today. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Tomorrow, take- <laughs> we do Feedback Tuesday. <laughs> no, we are going to get to Feedback Monday here eventually, I promise. All right. Um, let me tell you about our friends over at Raycon. I might have just busted the cheap earbuds you were just wearing. Might have just blown those puppies out. Aaron, you were telling me you gave Raycon a try finally. I did back in the summer. They became my, I mean, literally everyday earbuds, and now I use them as my primary earbuds. I have a pair 
of wireless earbuds from a company you all would know. And they're not anything close to this. Uh, they're the best noise isolating earbuds I've ever encountered. Um, and what I love too is I've got these oddly shaped ears and so many custom options for them to fit, which helps with that noise isolation as well. Uh, their faucet filter removes 99% of all the contaminants, bacteria, and chemicals um, as well in your, uh, in your sink water. I mean, maybe you just thought they just did audio. They do a lot of different stuff. Uh, Raycon Home, Raycon PowerTech. Uh, you can check out their new Magic 180 charging cable, which provides hyperspeed charging to iOS, micro USB, or Type-C devices, or even rotates 180 degrees. It's built for durability, so you don't have to worry about things shorting out. I mean, they're just a fantastic company with so many great products. So Raycon, easy, free return guarantee. They offer free shipping and buy now, pay later options. So hurry now to buyraycon.com slash Steve to get 15% off your entire Raycon order. Buy Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash Steve to get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Steve. Let me say, I should say this. Um, private event, so there's not much I can say about it. But one of the reasons why my sense of urgency is up is I just, I, I spent an evening with a lot of really good Christian patriots, and we all have the same sense of urgency, whether we're, no matter who we're for in this primary. And, and all that angst, we all kind of <laughs> fed it to each other all night long, talking about we can all see what is coming. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to stop this, you know, um, uh, this demonic plan? And so this is the first time I've had a chance to talk about it since we were all in this room together discussing it so you guys are the victims of all this pent-up energy i'm sorry <laughs> okay um i want to share this message with you though and since i've already got you worked up actually this is going to work out pretty well to talk about it now what's happening on the right right now was bound to happen but i i think it is it is it is ominous to see. Nevertheless, we have we have been flirting with going down this road long before anybody heard the name Donald Trump, long before he ever came down an escalator. I mean, I, I remember the conversations. I remember being told the only reason that I didn't want a guy who bragged he was to the left of Ted Kennedy to be the Republican nominee is because I hated Mormons. I, I remember those shows we mm -hmm. did back in the day. The, the, there was no other possible reason to oppose the guy that shut down Catholic charities because they wouldn't do gay adoptions a decade before any Democrat tried it. Mm -hmm. That okay. That the, the only reason was because I hated Mormons. I mean, I, I mean, that was my inbox every single day after a show that went on for months and months and months. And I'm watching, you know, Drudge and National Review tell me this is the next Reagan. I, this has been going on for a while. We've been flirting with this for a while. Suddenly, Obamacare mandates are terrible. But but nominating the guy who gave Obama his worst idea before he ever had it was how we were going to save America. This is not new on the right. That this we've been flirting with this for a while. We, we and, and and it's inevitable. We're we're a culture that's awash in a black hole, a book of judges like amoralism. In those days, everyone did what was wise in their own eyes. That's that's not immoral. That's amoral. There are no lines. There's no line at all. And that's that's assuming we're not under a Romans one judgment. That'd be even worse. What's worse than a book of judges? Amoral culture. Well, that's when we're doing this to ourselves. Romans one judgment's even worse. That's when the wrath of God is revealed before mankind. That's, that's when God steps in to punish us himself. That's even worse than Book of Judges stuff. 
Therefore, given that, that our culture is somewhere between Book of Judges and Romans 1, is that a fair assumption? Or somewhere between there? I, yeah. We can, if these are the two tent poles, we can debate what you are here. Where's that dot? Some of us might put it here, closer to the Book of Judges. Minute. Some of us might, but it's somewhere on this line, well, right? Minute by minute, we are one or the other. It yes. Like. It, the, it's, the dot is, uh, the you are here dot is somewhere between those two. Fair? Yeah. Okay. We can all argue and debate where it is, but it's somewhere between those two. And therefore, if that's the case, it was inevitable that, that the enterprise, that even in the best of cultural conditions can still be a hive of scum and villainy known as politics, would eventually succumb to it. Right. You, you, no one in no one in all of human history has ever thought in their own right mind. All right. This thing's going to hell in a handbasket. But thankfully, the political arena is the last vest, the last refuge of integrity left to kind of hold this thing off. Never, anybody ever said that? And not been stoned out of their gourd, okay? Or clinically insane. No. Even in the best of cultural conditions, politics isn't the place of plumb lines. Long ago, the Democratic Party created a party entirely on identity politics. And this is how you got fire-breathing black pastors voting for the same candidates as rainbow jihadists like Rosie O'Donnell. There's almost no shared principle there. But there is a shared association. And that shared association says that we have to be aligned together despite a clear difference in our principles in order for each of us to gain access to what it is we think we need from government or identity politics. This is how Dave Rubin stops being gay. And now the now progressive white Ivy League professors who have been married to the same woman for 60 years, they quote Harvey Milk to Dave Rubin now because he's not really gay. Uh, this is how um, snotty kids at Harvard whose can't even moment was when, when there was an avocado toast awaiting them in the morning. Uh, they now are able to talk about institute uh, lecture Thomas Sowell about institutional racism. Because Thomas Sowell and Dave Rubin took identities that the Democratic Party thought it had copyrighted and then and then claim to inhabit those identities without inhabiting the Democratic Party, and therefore they lost their identity. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. This discussion's been had on shows like this long before this show ever came along. But here's the thing that you need to know. Such idolatries tend to swing both ways. For example, in California, we got black and brown voters... To, have, to help us for what was called at the time Prop 8. Prop 8 on Election Day 2008, Barack Obama won over 60% of the popular vote in California on that same day. And on that same day, over 7 million people voted for Prop 8 in California, defining marriage as a man and a woman. That is more people than any Republican has ever received statewide in the history of the state of California. And by quite a margin, it's actually not even close. Which means a lot of non-white people in California went in and voted for marriage and then voted for Barack Obama, who would go on to become the first president to adorn the White House in rainbow colors. A lot of the same black and brown people who would never vote for John McCain went and voted for a social policy that John McCain was against, that John McCain thought was too right wing. John McCain wasn't for, for traditional marriage. In fact, his campaign manager, Stephen Schmidt, he went and told the law cabin Republicans during that exact election, your time is coming when we win. We're going gay. Now, how do you make sense of, let me go vote for Barack Obama 
and I'm voting for marriage on the same day. You can't. This is what idolatry does. It makes fools of us all. So you may have been one of those black and brown voters in California that went in and voted for marriage. But your vote was canceled out by the Supreme Court, yet your vote for Barack Obama was sustained. And so that's what you got. The very rainbow jihad that you voted against when you voted for Prop 8. When you release a swarm of locusts, it goes after its intended target first. But you have to understand, there's never a moment where locusts are like, the gizzards are full, we're contented here, fly away now. No. Gizzards are consumption incarnate. They are, I'm sorry, locusts are consumption incarnate. That's what they know. It's their craven instinct is to consume. And so with the Democratic Party's critical thinking consumed, what's happening now is these locusts have attacked the right. And we're now watching the Republican Party is now on the precipice of being an identity-based party. What do Mike, I've got a biblical worldview, allegedly Johnson, what does he have in common with Elise? I'm the only member of House leadership that voted to codify gay marriage into federal law, Stefanik. Lindsay, open borders, gramnesty, forever war, gramnesty. And female impersonator, Bruce Jenner. What, what do all these people have in common from a personal, from a principled standpoint? Uh, it's nothing. Nothing. So they could only be in a coalition together via the abandonment of principle. And they are. They've abandoned their principles. Because they all want access to Trump. Just like the black preacher abandons his principle to get access to the federal government to align and aligns with rainbow jihadists. And rainbow jihadists do it too. They abandon their principles to align with black preachers who tell their, fa- to tell their people homosexuality is an abomination. But they both abandon principle for shared association. And that's what people like Mike Johnson and Elise Stefanik and Lindsey Graham, that's what they do. Bruce Jenner. They abandon principle for shared association. Another way of saying that is identity politics. Another way of saying that, frankly, is idolatry. In this primary so far, Trump has told us we can't be pro-life. Epstein killed himself. The jab is great. I take nothing back. Lockdowns worked. I'm only a hawk on the debt because I'm a candidate now. I mean, he's not lying. This is the most honest Donald Trump's ever been. He's just out there openly violating many of our alleged orthodoxies. And we just came seem, according to my polls, we can't get enough of it. Which means the only, if those polls are correct, the only principle we care about is association with Donald Trump. Now, maybe that's the best we can do. Especially because, you know, remember that we did an evergreen episode about a meeting with Christian leaders I, I was invited to in May. Remember this? Mm-hmm. One of those, one of the Christian leaders that was there, when I, when I pointed out that Trump is violating our orthodoxies and we need to demand he does better. This, one of these Christian leaders who was in that meeting came at me on Twitter. But it wasn't to say thank you for demanding higher of our politicians. It was to attack me for criticizing Trump. And afterwards, he, he said, and I quote, We're leading a movement back to God. And it was at that point 
that I decided I'm going to address this. I wish Donald Trump were president right now. I believe he's the rightful president now and they stole the last election. Prior to COVID, he was a very good president. We'd be better off right now if him and the people around him were making decisions as opposed to the people that currently are. But this idea that what we're up against is so evil that our own idolatry is okay, that's just not how the kingdom of God works, guys. It just doesn't. And if, if a certain amount of idolatry on your own side is permeating and yet you're not seeing God punish it, that's not a good thing. The Lord chastens those whom he loves. It's not good when the Lord doesn't hold you accountable anymore. That's not, if you're prospering, doing things the Lord is saying is wrong, you are not being blessed, but the opposite, regardless of what the material circumstances are. And I just want to say that we can't embrace identity politics on the right. And I'll fight it down to the very last show I'm ever permitted to do, regardless of what the identity is. My identity is in Christ. Any other identity you try to foist upon me, I will resist because my life is not my own. I was bought at a high price. It is not my identity to give. I couldn't give it to you even if I wanted to. Even if you met my price, it still wouldn't come close to the price that Christ paid for me. So I will resist your idolatry. We will ruthlessly mock it on this show with every platform we have, like Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal. You know what will kill us even faster than the left's identity politics? A counterfeit version of our own. Feedback Monday is next. If you run a solo small business, you know... Most nights, you're an army of one, but you could still need help. You still need a CPA, a bookkeeper, separate payroll solutions, and more. You you could try to piece all of that together or get the help you need with a collective membership. If you're running a business of one, you're wearing already too many hats day to day. But with collective bookkeeping accounting, doesn't need to be one of them. You can start saving thousands of dollars, hours of your time, which could be worth even more to you, by letting collective handle your back office work so you just focus on growing your business. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, but there's that dreaded back office work that comes with it with Collective. Let them handle that now. Uh, Let them help your growing business of one while letting their tax experts focus on your accounting and bookkeeping. They're the all-in-one financial solution for self-employed entrepreneurs that lets you focus on your passion, not the paperwork. And the best part, it's a fraction of the cost of a CPA. Collective specializes in S-Corps, so a tax election that saves its members on average 
of $10,000 per year. If you're a business of one making at least 60000 in profit annually, then you could be missing out on tens of thousands in tax savings every year. For a limited time, Collective is waiving the onboarding fee when you go to collective.com slash Steve and tell them Steve sent you. That's $199 value for free. When you go to collective.com slash Steve and tell them I sent you. Collective.com slash Steve. Tell them I sent you at collective.com slash Steve. All right. Without further ado, let's get to it. Time for some feedback Monday because we didn't get time for feedback Friday. You guys ready to go? Always. Mike Judd writes, Steve has shown us that he is a pumpkin spice prepper and that he is a he is prepared for the zombie apocalypse in ways the rest of us can never contemplate. This is in reference to the uh, the cabinet I have in the garage every year with a full year supply of pumpkin treats to get me through the winter, the spring, and we the summer. We know what it's about. We all know. <laughs> no one's confused about this. I just wanted to reset it. I'm very, I'm very proud of that cabinet, actually. Thank you, Mike. That's one of the nicest things anybody ever said to me. Pumpkin spice prepper. It's true. It is all true. All of it. It is. It's glorious, too. Jesse Goosen says, thank you for making the nefarious Bible study. My family and I just finished the second lesson. My kids are all teenagers and they're very engaged in the study. When we reached the numbered ranking chart in lesson two, I started to say, evaluate your prayer life one to 10 regarding these questions. One being the likelihood that Lindsey Graham and that I was abruptly, abruptly interrupted by my wife. (laughs) She said, this is not the time and place for this here. And she is correct. At any rate, the study is great. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate that. If you have not gotten your nefarious Bible study, it is still available on Amazon right now. We're going to relaunch it after the first of the year, though. So we're looking forward to that. But uh, yes, uh, thank you so much. You can get your nefarious Bible study at Amazon.com. Deborah Martin in Tennessee says, I'm a mom whose husband died of an unknown disease in 2009, which has caused much sadness in my family, a family of eight kids. We celebrated Christmas together traditionally with a Santa exchange. We ate together and it was awesome. But then COVID showed up. I tried to tell them about the scientific findings of people like Malone and McCullough and every one of my kids poo-pooed me and they each took the vaccine. I did not. They decided as a group, therefore, to cut contact with me. I spent my first Christmas in my life alone. Every Christmas since I've been excluded on the grounds that I will not give them the disease or that I will give them the disease. I try to speak and I'm told I'm dead wrong. And I say, yet I'm not dead. How can I be wrong? Nothing helps. So my third son, who's 21, or in 2021, my third son, uh, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and blood clots. I'm not allowed to visit him and he chooses not to talk to me because he says I will kill him. I've watched from afar many Christmases. March 24th of this year, he died, having never seen me again. This has all been painful, and I'm asking if you and others could push the fact that those of us who did not take the vaccine are not villains and have stood bravely for the truth. Our tears are deep for the dead and know what we knew, and it did not seem reasonable that they had to die for the cause of conformity. That is from Deborah Martin in Tennessee. Why... Would you ever take the vaccine if you have to be this afraid after taking it? For the love of God, answer that. 
everybody in earshot of us. Answer that. See, this is a question, you know, I, I used to see you go back and forth with people like uh, Ben Shapiro and a few others on Twitter over the vaccine stuff, you know. And I never, before COVID, it just, yeah. I, I had a million fights on my plate, man. Yeah. Just, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. There's only so much mega RAM in, in my brain. And you know, okay? I never, I never like pushed you, demanded no. you, begged you to do more. I get it. But, but we would talk about it sometimes here yeah. when I'd come in. I'd see you guys going back and forth. You going back and forth with some of these people sometimes on Twitter. And we talk about it when we would come in, like right before the show. Yeah. And, and I'd always say to you at the time, yeah. I, I don't understand if you're vaccinated against measles, if your kids are vaccinated against measles, why does it matter if another kid's not vaccinated against measles? Isn't that why you got vaccinated against measles? Like, I, I've never understood, like, when Shapiro would, like, yell out, get your kids vaccinated against measles. If you've, if you've vaccinated your kids against measles, why would it matter what the other kids were doing? And I, I used to bring up the analogy when I took that mission trip to Haiti back right. in the day, and the Obama State Department said if all my boosters and everything were not updated, I couldn't get back into the country because of the state of Haiti. So I'd have all those boosters, sure. tuberculosis, all that stuff updated, and I agreed to do it. I went and got it done. You know how much I love needles. And I went and got all that done to go take this, uh, this, this mission trip with uh, food for the poor so I could come back home after it was over. And it was one of the most incredible experiences in my life. I don't regret it at all. I'll never forget it. But you know why the Obama administration let me back in the country? Presumably, I would assume it's because I had updated my boosters and vaccines. And so the idea that I would take the diseases of a third world country, the poorest one in our hemisphere, and bring them back here, presumably, if these substances work as they are advertised, would have reduced the risk, which is why it was required of me to have those things updated to come back, right? Yes. Which also explains why I didn't have a problem sitting next to you in the studio. How many years? How many flu seasons, cold seasons? I mean, I, I, I have had, I've missed one day of work since you have worked here. I have missed one day of work for illness, including during COVID. I got COVID twice, didn't miss a day. Didn't miss a day of work with COVID. The only time I ever missed work for being sick, and you've worked here since what, 2015? 2014? No, it was, it was, yeah, the first day of January 1st of 2015, right? Yeah, okay. Yes, January 1st, 2015, and then Aaron came later in the year. Right. All right, so you've worked here for eight, going on, you're, you're about to start your ninth year here. And in those nine years, you've seen me miss one day for being sick, and it was when I had the MRSA tried to kill me earlier this year. First days I've ever taken off for being sick, and the whole time you've worked here. And yet, I sit here with you every cold, every flu season as an asthmatic who gets, you know, who gets some respiratory virus every year, like clockwork. I never had any issues or anything worrying about, you know, what I thought were your quirky beliefs. You know why? Because I was vaccinated. So why would I be concerned about, you know, getting all these things? Otherwise, what was, what was the point of my vaccination? And this goes right to what you're saying to Deborah about her children. If they can, if you could still kill them, why did they get the vaccine? Why would you get any? Why would you take any experimental substance if it doesn't actually do what it claims? Why would you take that risk? That that never made sense to me, even before we got into the whole COVID conversation, which opened my eyes to a lot wider world on this topic than I was ever, frankly, willing to acknowledge because I just didn't have the time to. But this never, that what you said has always made sense to me even before that. Why did your kids get the vaccine? And, and, and I could do a story like Deborah's almost every week on a feedback segment. I know a lot of you, this is your heartbreak. I, you, a lot of you have been through this. God bless you. I'm so sorry. And you're looking at going through it again, maybe even now, this Christmas again. Yeah, this is 2023. I know. And you're doing this? 
you know, ask your kids because they're in a cult. Steve, you keep dropping that word a lot. Well, there's a lot of them. All right. When, 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 when God is removed, something must fill the God-shaped hole in the heart. It'll be the state. It'll be a, a celebrity. It'll be a godless philosophy. A demon. It, it'll be a demon. It'll be technocratic marvel. But something will fill that. What was the point of your children? Take, ask them. Why did you take all those vaccines if I can still make you sick? What sense does that possibly make? It makes none. Now, a lot of times you can't break people when they're in a cult. That's why we need to you know, uh, uh, try to stop people from joining them. But when you can break a cult, it's almost always via Socratic method questioning that gets them to start questioning things of their own volition, their own critical thinking. The problem is critical thinking in the current state of America ain't what it used to be. Know what I'm saying? Which makes it harder to break the strong stranglehold of a cult than it ever has been before. But it makes no sense. If you took a vaccine and I didn't, I should be the one afraid, not you. By your own, by the, by the, the consistent follow through of your own philosophy, I should be the one afraid, not you. Why do you need my vaccine to make your vaccine work? Name another product in human history that was reliant on people who didn't use it to be effective. My car would drive better if you drove it. What? Would anybody ever say something like that? Not unless you're in a cult. And when you're in a cult, you do say things like that. My wife and I have been trying to start a family for two years to no avail. We're a very healthy couple in our mid-20s, and this shouldn't be a problem for people like us. We've gone to see doctors, had many tests done. Recently, I received a diagnosis, diagnosis of the most severe form of male infertility. I won't go into the details of what it is or how things work, or in my case, don't work, but the bottom line is, practically speaking, there is 0% chance of us conceiving a child. I'm crushed by this news and find myself struggling with confusion and anger, and specifically confusion and anger towards God. The Bible tells us God wants us to have children. He wants us to be fruitful and raise children to worship and honor him, something my wife and I have every intention of doing. The Bible also tells us God uses all things to his glory, but this diagnosis is something that I don't know if I'll ever be able to understand regarding God's plan. We live in a society and culture that broadly rejects children, hates them, and in many cases executes them. And yet here we are, deeply wanting children to raise to honor the Lord, and our ability to do so has been taken away. Is our inability to have children part of God's plan? How does that bring him glory? And if it does, why should we do anything at all? Why intervene in anything if it's all part of his plan? Are the millions of children aborted every year a part of his plan? How does any of this bring glory to God? I feel as though I failed my wife, though she would never say the same. I feel as though God has abandoned me, though I know that isn't true. I'm so discouraged and confused that I don't know what to do. Any word of advice would be appreciated. Cherish your families because they truly are a blessing. That is from Paul. Paul, here's, I don't have advice for you, my friend. I mean, I, my heart breaks for you and your family. I'm sorry for you and your wife. I, I don't have any advice, but I, I do have a, a, a true testimony I want to share with you. A, uh, a very respected, decorated surgeon from the University of Michigan. Um, him and his wife tried everything they could to have children. He was told same kinds of things that you were told was never going to happen. 
finally they realized a, a, a new agency began in their community. It was called Bethany Christian Services. And finally they, they realized that uh, this was not the Lord's plan for their, for their life. And there were other kids, though, that needed the love that they wanted to offer a child. So they adopted a young baby whose mother uh, tried to abort her in a, in, with a back alley abortionist on three separate occasions. And it wasn't because she wanted to. Her parents were trying to make her do it. She was 15, pregnant, family embarrassment, and they're trying to get rid of the child. Then finally, the back alley abortionist just said, you know, I, on, on attempt number three, I just I can't go through with it. And so they sent her away to have her baby and then eventually sent the baby to Bethany Christian Services. And this baby they adopted after they got over the heartbreak of not being able to have children the old-fashioned way. They adopted this baby and they named her Mary. A couple decades later, Mary would grow up. She would meet a young man who was in the 101st Airborne. His name was Bobby Ramsey. They had one child, and that child's name, they had one daughter in 1975, and they named her Amy. She would go on and meet a young man named Steve. And you may know her now by the name of Amy Dace. That's my wife. Her mother that was attempted to be aborted on multiple occasions and then finally given up for adoption. That's her mother married. She was, she was just married just at my house last night for family dinner. We had pizza. Oh, by the way, that couple who were told they couldn't have children of their own. And so as a last resort, they adopted one like they were adopted. Like God adopted them into their family, into his family. They emulated what God did for them by adopting a child of their own. They went on to then have five more children naturally. After being told that they weren't going to have any. So I don't, I don't have any advice for you, brother. My heart breaks for you and your wife. Can't imagine the disappointment. But I do have the encouragement of my own testimony of the faithfulness of God. And I can, I can testify to you that there are scores of children in this country already born, already given up on, who desperately need the love that you and your wife want to give a child. I can testify to that too. We've got 30 seconds left in the show. Any final thoughts on today's program, gentlemen? Well, all creation groans. People don't get cancer or are infertile or whatever 
primarily because of viruses or etc cetera, etc cetera. all that happens because of sin not just personal sin we have to have christians have a healthier respect of what sin has done to us all you lost the lottery on this one brother and that's sad but you do not to the the extent that it's clear you're taking it personally it's not buck up there's a greater plan for you amen John three seventeen.